It's Saturday again, time to recap the week. And yeah, it's been a horrible week for news stories. So my fellow citizens re-elected Trudeau, a father fights in court to keep his seven-year-old son from getting chemically castrated, a prominent preacher participates in a game that includes mocking a woman, and the Catholic Church starts a fight over what's worse, stealing or worshiping other gods. So here we go. Okay, let's start off with the election. It was pretty disappointing. Worst outcome possible, really. I hear people telling me, well, at least he didn't win a majority, but winning with a minority is actually worse because that makes the NDP the kingmaker. And through history, we can see the kingmaker always has more power than the king. So what exactly does that mean? Well, okay, I'm going to explain this in a little more detail because I know I have Americans who listen. Also, by the way, apparently my fellow Canadians don't understand how our election system works either. So, all right, just explain this. I worked at the polls this election and I can't even tell you how many people asked me for a ballot with the people running for prime minister or asked me, uh, where can you vote for the federal election? You're here currently at the federal election. But I want to vote for the prime minister. Well, you're in Canada and that's not how it works. Although you clearly went through our amazing public school system. All right, so here in Canada, we don't actually vote for our prime minister. We vote for the member of parliament or the MP in our area. And the winner of that vote gets a seat in parliament, like an actual physical chair. The party with the most seats wins, and their leader becomes a prime minister. Now, we have a lot of parties. So just in my area, in the poll that I was working at, we had a conservative, a liberal, an NDP. For the Americans who don't know, that is our socialist party. We have a green party. It's our environmentalist party. We have a people's party. That's our new party. That's like an off-break from our conservative party. We have a VCP party. That was a party for the vets. And we also had a Marxist-Lenist party. So on the ballot, it's just said ML. So people may not have been aware, actually, that we had an actual Marxist-Lenist party on our ballot this year. Now, thankfully, at least in the poll I was running at, the Marxist-Lenist party received exactly zero votes, thankfully. But even the fact that that party is allowed to be on our ballot it's kind of disturbing. I mean, imagine if we had a Nazi party on our ballot. Just a heads up, Marxist-Lenists killed way more people than the Nazis did. Anyway, that's a rant I will do on another day, but it is coming up, let me tell you. So, so the parties that actually made it into Parliament are the Liberals, Conservatives, the NDP, the Bloc Québécois, so that's a party that only runs in Quebec, and its main platform is Canada stinks, let's leave the country. So, yeah, anyway, it's awesome that they have so many seats in Parliament. Should make Parliament very productive. Then there's the Green Party. They got, I think, three seats, I think. And then there's one independent person 
who was a member of the Liberal Party and got kicked out of the party for coming forward to say Trudeau was doing illegal things, making sure companies he liked didn't go to trial. So they kicked her out of the party. She still won, got a seat, but she's now an independent. And still with all of that, Trudeau won. Shocking. All right. So with so many parties, you end up with two different ways that you can win an election. So you could win with the majority. That means your party has more seats than all the other parties combined. Or you can win with a minority. That means your party has more seats than any other party, but all the other parties combined have more seats than you. That's what we have right now. The Liberals have more seats than any other party, but all the other parties combined have more seats than the Liberals. Now, when this happens, a leader from one of the other parties can stand up in Parliament and say, I do not have confidence this Prime Minister can lead our country. So, if somebody says that, they then hold a no-confidence vote. Since the leading party doesn't have enough people to vote, they will lose that vote, and then we have another election. Which wouldn't be too horrible in this situation, since I didn't particularly like the outcome of this election. But in this situation that we are currently in, that won't happen. Because the NDP have enough seats that if they vote along with the Liberals, the Liberals then have the majority. That is why the NDP are now the kingmakers. As long as they are kept happy, they will keep the Liberals in power. So just to be clear, we have the most left version of the Liberal Party we've ever had in history that will be kept in power by our Socialist Party. And the Socialist Party has to be kept happy in order to keep the Liberals in power. So, wonderful. Great. Basically, we're going to go down the toilet. So, the day after the election, I was obviously sad. Now, I wasn't crying hysterically or burning cars sad, just, you know, disappointed sad. What I did, though, was I put my phone down, I turned off my computer, I just blocked out all the noise of the day, and I rearranged my mudroom in my office, and I threw out four bags of garbage, and I filled my trunk with things going to Goodwill. Because, you know, that's how grown-ups handle an election results that they didn't like. Did you hear that, babies in America? The election didn't go my way. So I had a sad day, and I did some house cleaning I'd put off, and then I went on with my life. Seriously, the Democrats in the States are still having a temper tantrum, and it's been three years. It's honestly kind of embarrassing. Anyway, at the end of the day, I turned my phone back on, and I had messages from some of the great listeners out there asking, what happens next? What do we do? First, we're going to start with prayer. Maybe, maybe, we should have been doing that all along. We need to be praying for our country. As a country, we are very broken. Our families are broken. Our schools are broken. Our communities are broken. Our churches are very, very broken. This morning, I was listening to a YouTuber who described our culture like a group of toddlers got left alone in a room with a bunch of markers. And we just destroyed everything in sight. And then we stopped and looked and realized it doesn't look as good as we thought it was going to. And now we don't know how to fix it. That's pretty much our culture right now. So we need to be praying for our culture. But we also need to be praying for Trudeau. Something we're actually commanded to do. And to be honest, not something I do very often. And when I do pray for him, it's kind of like, please remove him from office. Which isn't actually what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be praying for him. 
And I'm going to make a commitment to do that more often. From now on, and I'm going to remind you to do the same. Now, it would be stupid to say, he's not my prime minister. Trudeau's not my prime minister. I didn't vote for him. That would be dumb because he is actually my prime minister. And God said we're supposed to be praying for our leaders. So let's do it. But I have been asking myself, what is next? What can we do? What is God calling us to do? I've been praying about this for a while, and I knew that really, even if the conservatives won, it wasn't going to help all that much. I mean, we would get lower taxes and maybe a pipeline, but we'd still be heading for that cliff, just maybe a little bit slower. So we're going to pray, first step, and the next step is we're going to tackle the culture before we even tackle politics. And I'm going to be talking a lot more in my podcast about cultural things. But I have some other things that I'm working on that I'm very excited about. First of all, the website. Right now it's lauraleesiemens.com, so go and check that out. But the website over the next few months is going to have a massive overhaul. It's going to have a new name because it's not going to be just my content anymore. We're going to have more podcasts and more podcasters. And I want to help people who are speaking out about the problems in our culture, and I want to give them a platform. I am speaking to quite a few different people right now who are interested, and I'm very excited about a new podcast coming. Gracie West has a new podcast that I'm going to be producing. She is amazing. She's an ex-feminist with a master's degree in women's studies, and she's going to be just taking her women's studies classes and teaching them on her podcast. But while teaching them, she's going to show them what is wrong with the class. So for parents out there, when you're listening to this podcast, it's like you're sitting in on a woman's study class and you can find out what your children are learning. And by the way, the things being taught in this class is not just college and university anymore, as Gracie West is going to be pointing out. A lot of these things is being taught in our elementary schools as well. For the kids out there sitting in the classes, listening to this podcast, it's going to give you a chance to hear a different side of the argument, or maybe you're going to be sitting in one of those classes. And this podcast will help prepare you for that. I'm going to keep you updated on when that's coming out. But in the meantime, if you want to see some of her content, you can go to Embarrassing Mom. That's her name on YouTube. And I'm going to put a link to that in the um, notes below. You definitely want to check that out. So I'm going to keep you updated more on when that comes out. Um, but I am praying about how we can speak out and make a difference. And as I was praying, I've been reminded of what God's plan has always been. And his plan to change the world has always been families. That has always been the plan. As a mom, I know that moms make a huge difference. We're the ones speaking into the lives of our children. The fathers are, of course, very important. But as a mom, I see the way moms can impact the lives of our children. So I want to help moms teach their children. To do that, moms have to be prepared. So that is what's going to happen with this new website, and that's a new path that we're going to be taking. Really having content there to prepare you as a mom to not just speak into the culture, but to speak into your children's lives and to help them understand how they can impact the culture and stand up to the culture in their schools, whether that's elementary school, high school, or college. I'm talking now to more people about doing podcasts on culture issues, and I also have been contacted about the possibility of creating an app for moms. And this app would have podcasts and articles, morning motivations, all kinds of stuff. So listening to all of that, 
Pray for me as I look for more podcasters to join. Obviously, all of this is going to take money, so I'm going to be adding a donate section to the website. Also looking for advertisers for the podcast. All of this will be happening in the near future. So stay tuned and please pray that in everything we do and all the choices that we make, that we are doing what God wants us to do and that we are moving forward with God behind us. Now, obviously moms are not the only important part of changing culture. And this week, there have been some men in the news. And let me tell you, we do need more men standing up against the culture. Now, the first two stories come from the church, and both are men standing up against the church when the church is going down the wrong path. But in my personal opinion, one of the stories is how not to stand up to culture, and one is how we should stand up to culture. So, Let's talk real quick about the MacArthur and Moore controversy. So John MacArthur was at a conference and there was this game. It was like a question period thing. It was sort of like a game. So he'd be given a word and then he had to say the first thing that came to mind. So that sounds kind of fun. For those who don't know who MacArthur is, he's a preacher. And by the way, he's a really good one. And I've listened to him on his podcast and his YouTube channel for a long time. I like 85% of what he says. He's probably one of the best preachers we have today. He also has a cult following who, if they're listening right now, will probably be really angry that I didn't say he's 100% correct all the time because he has a cult following who believe everything he says is gospel truth and never question him. MacArthur is a predestination preacher. So for those who follow that line of teaching, They basically worship him. That being said, he is a really good preacher, and I do believe he is a man of God. All right, so the game started. He would be given a word, and then he had to say the first thing that came to mind. So as the game started, he was given the word Beth Moore. There was a ripple of nervous laughter in the crowd, and then MacArthur says, go home, and the crowd started laughing hysterically. Now, when I first heard that people were angry with MacArthur for how he treated Beth Moore, I thought I would be siding with MacArthur. I mean, Beth Moore has kind of gone off the deep end after Trump's election. She was extremely, she has become liberal, really into the social justice gospel, quite frankly, kind of annoying on Twitter, which is sad because I have some of her stuff and I really liked her old stuff. So I assumed I would probably be on the side of MacArthur. But when I heard this clip, I felt sick to my stomach. Honestly, it made me want to punch MacArthur in the face. Maybe because I have a history of self-centered, egotistical men in churches treating me like crap because I'm a woman. It, by the way, totally is a problem in our churches. Maybe because what I heard was what most people think Christianity is like. And that's not Christianity. But that is how people think Christianity is. There was no grace. There was no love. And by the way, it wasn't a correct answer. The correct answer, when you hear Beth Moore, should have been a child of God who is loved by God. She wasn't even there. She's a Christian woman. She is a sister. She's created by God. She's loved by God. So when I said I didn't like how MacArthur handled this situation, which, by the way, he didn't actually know what word was going to be given to him. So he was in an awkward situation as well, which I understand. 
And if somebody was saying, look, he was in an awkward situation and that's just what came to mind, that's what he said, I I honestly wouldn't have a problem with that. The problem is people seem to be saying, yeah, that was amazing, best answer ever. It was a terrible answer. But when I said it was unwise, his cult followers, they had to defend him. I think they're defending him without really thinking about it because the whole situation was gross. And I wish I could tell Beth more, I'm sorry. And yeah, men in power in churches can sometimes be jerks. But I do think that we do need to be speaking out on the false teachings that Beth Moore seems to be embracing. Do you know what is going to make her embrace those teachings even more? Telling her to go home and laughing at her while you watch men on stage mock her? That's not going to help our sister in Christ find her way back to solid theology. All right, there's another story from this week, and it's the how to stand up for truth. Now, the how not to stand up from truth this week came from Protestants, and the how to stand up for church came from Catholics. Okay, so a church in Rome put five statues of goddesses named Pachamama? I know I didn't say that right, but anyway, they put up these five statues in their church. Now, she's a naked, pregnant woman and one of the most worshipped goddesses in the Amazon. Now, if you remember our Ten Commandments, there was that no other god but me, no graven images, both kind of at the top of the list. So men from the church went to the church in the middle of the night, took the statues, and threw them in the Tiber River while they filmed it. Which, by the way, kind of awesome. That is what we need to see more of from our men in churches. Now, the media, of course, didn't like it, which is a good sign they were probably the right thing that they did. But here's how they portrayed it. And I'm going to read it here. Unidentified perpetrators believed to be conservative Catholic militants described the statues as idols. So first of all, a carving of a goddess that people worship. Yeah, that's not, that is an idol. It's not they described the statues as idols. That is the definition of an idol. And militants, really? Okay, vandals maybe, even thieves maybe, but militants? How was it militants that they went in and took these statues and threw them in the river? Now, sadly, the Catholic Church sided with the idols. The Pope asked for forgiveness. The statues were then retrieved from the river and returned to the church. So men, next time you do this, maybe do a bonfire. All right, another story of a man standing up for his faith that is surprising. Kanye West's new album came out. So I listened to it last night, and actually, it's really good. Honestly, it's more direct Christian album than most of the Christian music that's out there right now. Since becoming a Christian, he started holding evangelism services all around America. He has preachers, and I mean solid Bible-believing preachers, come and preach while he sings. It is the 2019 version of the Big Tent Revival Services. Now. Joel Olstein has invited Kanye West to speak at his church, and if Kanye agrees, it'll be the first time the gospel of Jesus Christ is ever preached at that church. Now, if I could go back to my 2015 self and say, hey, in less than five years, Donald Trump is going to be president, the war in Syria will be basically over, ISIS will be crushed, and Kanye West will be holding bank tent revival services, my 2015 self would not really believe that that could ever be reality. But just to remind everyone that things are still going to pot, we have our last story. 
Every week, I try to find a story where I can tell the history behind that new story, and this week, I picked this story, the story of James Younger. This is a story of twin boys, their mother, not biological by their way, and their father, who is the biological parent, are fighting in court. Now, the parents divorced, and the mother says one of the twin boys named James wants to be a girl. Now, she knows he wants to be a girl because when he was three, he liked to watch Frozen and he wanted a girl toy at McDonald's. So apparently that's what a girl is. People who, if you're little and you're three and you like to watch Frozen and you want the girl toy at McDonald's, that makes you a girl. So she started dressing him like a girl and telling him he was a girl. The boy is now seven and the father is treating him like a boy and the mother is treating him like a girl. So he's a boy when he's at his dad's and a girl when he's at his mom's. Not horrible at all, right? So, history. Believe it or not, in order to tell the history of this story, we have to go all the way back to the 60s for this one. And like most horrible cultural problems, it started in Canada. Sorry, world. All right, it's 1965. You're in Winnipeg at a hospital. People are running frantically by you. Something has just happened. Something obviously horrific. You're a nurse, and you're called to come and assist. You enter the room. Two small eight-year-old boys are getting a fairly routine surgery because of an infection, they have to be circumcised. But as you begin to assist the frantic doctors and nurses, you see the horrible mistake. One of the boys has had his entire penis burned off. You help as the doctors finish up the surgery and wonder what is going to be said to the parents who now have a son missing very important body part. Well, the parents were horrified and didn't know how to raise their sons. So they went to the experts, because experts should always be trusted and always have the best interest of the client, and never would use kids as experiments, right? This expert was Dr. John Money. He told the parents that they should raise their son as a girl. So they just went with that. They renamed their son with a girl's name, dressed him in dresses, let him have long hair, gave him dolls, never told him anything about that horrible day in the hospital when he was eight months old. When he went to school, he was registered as a girl, and when he hit puberty, he was given chemical treatments so that he grew breasts. This was the first documented case in history of transitioning a child from one sex to another. It was groundbreaking. Dr. John Money followed the family. Dr. John Money followed the family and wrote about everything. For him, it was the best situation he could ever hope for. Twins, a perfect study. So he wrote based on this situation, and he said it was proof that gender was a social construct and that transitioning children is good and healthy and as young as possible is the best thing you can do. Throughout the 1970s, his papers using the twins to prove that sex is a social construct and not nature were highly praised. Some of his work was published in Time magazine. In the picture, the boy twin was rough and tough and played sports, and the girl twin was loving and kind and gentle and played dolls. It's a perfect example. Dr. Money's study and essays are still in textbooks today, and his writings are the foundation for the movement we are dealing with right now, 53 years later. But what happened to the twins? From as early as two years old, the little girl twin beat up her brother to steal his trucks threw her dolls in the garbage. She told her teachers in school that she was a boy. She let a boy kiss her on the cheek and almost threw up. By the time she was 14 years old, she was a mess. Her parents sat her down and told her the truth. 
She was a he. Immediately, she changed her name to David. David cut his hair, got boy clothes, and had surgery to remove the breast that had grown from the treatment he had received. He had reconstructive surgery to try to give him some resemblance of a penis and started dating girls. He eventually got married and they even had children. I'm not sure how that happened. The article didn't say. But both of the boys carried emotional scars from their childhood. They began to tell stories of what their visits with the doctor were like. Their therapy involved reenacting sexual activity on each other and other sexual abuse. David wrote a book called Nature Made Him, The Boy Who Was Raised as a Girl. But the abuse the boys faced caused damage that neither of them recovered from. And in 2004, both of the men committed suicide. Yet, this horrific case is still used today as a positive example of the outcome of transitioning children and proof that gender is a social construct. Okay, so what happened with James Younger? Well, the jury sided with the mother and gave the mother full custody. But it kind of blew up after that on social media. And the judge then overruled the jury and said both the mother and the father have joint custody and therefore the mother can't just go out and chemically castrate this child without the dad's permission. So just to make sure, with this case, the court, the jury had made a very bad choice and it was society standing up and saying, no, this needs to stop. That made the judge stop and look at the situation and change it. So what do we need to do? Guess what? It's time to take a stand. Everyone, the church especially, needs to be silent. Now, I get it. We don't want to be MacArthur and come across as rude and disrespectful. But there are some things in our culture that need to be thrown out, tossed in the river, or a bonfire. We need to take a stand. Take a stand in a loving way, yes, but take a stand. So, each week, as God reveals a little bit more about the plan he has for me, I will let you know what's happening. But in the meantime, while you wait for Gracie West's new podcast to come out, please check out her YouTube channel. It's honestly been life-changing for me, and I'll put a link below. And if you want to see all the other content I have on my page, or if you want to get involved, or if you have an idea, please message me. For more podcast blogs and videos, check out lauraleesiemens.com, and don't forget to pray for Trudeau today.